The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. Get up close and personal with some of your favorite male porn stars on One on One with Poppy Chulo. Created by Poppy Chulo, One on One showcases exclusive interviews with the adult industry's most popular male performers. Here's your host, Poppy Chulo. Welcome to One on One with Poppy Chulo. Today is Thursday, April 23rd, 2015. Listeners, please welcome back popular gay porn star, Falcon Studios Group exclusive, Andrew Christian model, and international go-go dancer, Sean Zevron. Welcome back, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's good to be back. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm glad to have you back. You gave such a great interview the first time around. Listeners, if you haven't had the chance to listen to it, definitely check out the archives, poppychularadio.com forward slash archives, and go back into the December 2013 folder because you'll get that fantastic interview with Sean where we really go into you know his life before the industry, the early stages of his career. It was very good. Sean was bringing it with the answers, <laughs> as I'm sure he will tonight here. I on guess we shall see our brand new interview. <laughs> well, let's jump in, and as I typically like to do with these one-on-one interviews, I like to get stats out the way. So let's get to know your stats, just in case if anyone missed the first interview. What's your height and weight? I am five foot eight. I'm short, and my weight right now is around one seventy. What's your ethnicity? Half black and half white. What's your zodiac sign? (laughs) I'm not much a believer in astrology, but it would be a Leo. And how old are you? I am 26 years old. That's what's up, man. Okay, so overall, how long have you been in the adult industry? Well, come this August, it will have been four years now with, as you know, a little bit of a hiatus in between there for a few months. But um, for all intents and purposes, I've been in the industry for four years come this August. Very awesome. Congratulations, man. Thank you. Not that many performers make it to past, I would say, maybe even the six to six to 12-month mark. <laughs> well, I've been very fortunate so far. So Awesome, man. So the last time that we had you on, you were in the middle of an exclusive uh, of an exclusive contract with Randy Blue. That's the company, the website that you were featured on for, you know, I would say like the first, I guess, half or the first uh, two and a half, three years of your time. Yeah, in the I, um, <clears throat> yeah, I was with I was with Randy Blue for two years and then. It was after leaving from leaving them um, that you know I decided to take a little bit of a break, you know, because the porn industry can take its toll on anyone. So I was still, you know, getting used to it. Two years is still pretty, pretty new, and then 
So I took some time to get, you know, my life situation situated. I had a move in between mm-hmm. uh, that time and now where I moved to, I, I live in Los Angeles. Last time we did the interview, I lived in Dallas, Texas. So I took me, I guess, about a four, uh, five month break. And then I, um, I got some work with Falcon Studios Group and I ended up signing a, an exclusive contract with them. So I am now an exclusive with Falcon Studios Group, meaning that I... Uh, I filmed with Falcon Studios, Raging Stallion, and their newly acquired Hothouse Entertainment. So I, I, I'm an exclusive with all three of those companies. Congratulations on that. Thank you. You're welcome. Before we jump into Falcon Studios Group, I do want to ask, because I'm curious, why did you end up leaving Randy Blue, and when exactly did you leave Randy Blue? Um, <clears throat> I think the last scene I shot with him was October of... Was it 2013? I believe. Um, I didn't leave them for any particular reason. It was sort of a thing that I just took. I decided on the break before, and I was at a period where I was contemplating whether I wanted to continue going forth with my adult film career or if I wanted to go ahead and move off into some other area. But I figured, you know, since I I decided to do the adult film industry, that I wanted to make a big enough impact before I left. So I figured I'd ride it out for a little bit longer. Um, and that was about the time, you know, I decided that about toward the end of my little hiatus there. And so I started by that time, my contract, uh, you know, Randy blue, you signed for four months at a time. So it just continues on and continue on Well, my contract had lapsed. So I decided I wanted to try something new. And I, you know, I explained this to, to the uh, staff at Randy blue and they're okay with it. Um, and then so I started applying to different, I just sat down one night and I kicked out some photos and applications to a couple of different sites and Falcon Studios was the first to get back to me. Um, I did my scene with them, uh, <clears throat> it was a year ago this month, so I did a, a scene with them in April. Uh, and they really liked, uh, before they could even get the get the product out there, they, they wanted to work with me. So they offered me, they gave me a good generous offer and I accepted. Very nice, man. So how exactly did that connection get made? Because as you mentioned, you left Randy Blue, you took a bit of a hiatus, and how did, uh, I guess, you get your foot in the door with uh, Falcon Studios Group? Well, here's the thing. Um, There is actually a uh, director, Nick Fox, uh, who works with Falcon Studios Mm -hmm. Group. Uh, Specifically, he's the director of uh, the new Falcon Edge line, which technically I'm an exclusive with them. But I film with uh, all three companies. It's all owned by Falcon Studios Group. Correct. Um, so when I applied to them and when I sent out my application, my photos, and all the information that they require, he saw me. So he was the first one that grabbed on and said, we need to bring this guy to Falcon Studios. And I was excited. Uh, so the first uh, the scene that I shot with Falcon Hedge uh, was with Nick Fox. And I had already worked with him several times over at Randy Blue. Nice, man. That's awesome. Was that the reason that you chose Falcon Studios Group as your next uh, home, for lack of a better word? Because, I mean, there are a lot of performers out there that uh, start off with, you know, exclusive contracts and whatnot. And then after they get out of a contract, sometimes they like to, for lack of a better word, play the field. They like to go and sample the different companies because each right. company has a different style, a different way of shooting, a different way of uh, pairing up performers. So what led right. to your decision? to 
pick Falcon Studios Group as your next home. Well, I actually, I was completely unaware that Nick had went to Falcon Studios, and so when he reached out to me, that's when I found out, found out, and I was excited to be working with him again. Now, I did apply to multiple studios, and that was sort of my game plan after the hiatus was to play the field and work with a bunch of different studios. Now, there are pros and cons to working as an exclusive, and then there are pros and cons to working as freelance. Um, honestly, it's probably more lucrative to be freelance um, just because you can book as much work as you can get. Um, however, the good thing about being an exclusive with Falcon Studios, one, you know each and every time who you're going to be working with. You know the crew. They know you. Um, so filming becomes it's a lot easier. You know what to expect. Um, they also focus on you uh, as far as marketing goes. It's uh, much more beneficial to be an exclusive. At least I don't know how it is. With, you know, I'm sure it's the same with other companies. And, but Falcon, uh, they have a, a very, a very big uh, clientele as far as marketing. So their marketing outreach is uh, tremendous. So the benefit with that is. Uh, they focus heavily on marketing their their individual models and marketing you as a brand as well as themselves as a brand. So that's the big benefit. So if at any time I, I actually decide to do, uh, I do decide to go uh, and become freelance, which I have no intention of that right now, but um, I've already set me, a, a, I guess, a, a big impact out there um, as working in an exclusive. Absolutely, man. I mean, you made a big impact with Randy Blue. So, I mean, it's... It's obvious that you're making an even bigger impact with uh, Falcon Studios Group. Yeah, come with Falcon Studios. I have a lot of resources at my disposal. As you know, they've been around um, uh, longer than pretty much any uh, company in porn. So it's, it's amazing to be able to work with them. Definitely. So you became the first Falcon Edge exclusive with Falcon Studios Group. How soon did they sign you to an exclusive contract? Was it something where they brought you in <laughs> for a scene and then they were like, okay, you know, we need to sign you right now? Or did uh, the exclusive contract happen even before you shot anything? Um, it happened in the middle of the scene, actually. <laughs> okay, you hadn't even popped. No, we um, we completed about the first half of the scene, and we were taking a lunch break there because um, we were finishing up photos, and the, I guess you know how you usually divide sets up, and we finished the, the foreplay portion of the scene, and I was sitting around, and they told me that Chris Ward, you know, the president of the company, wanted to have a chat with me, and so they were very impressed because, um, you know, not that I'm bragging or anything, but my, my physique is on point. I take a lot of pride in that. So they saw that and they noticed that. And given my experience, um, I had no no problems working in front of the camera. So their intent was to get me before I, I went on to another studio and ended up signing with another studio. So they grabbed me as soon as they could. And before I even finished the first scene, I had signed a contract with them. Look at Sean Zevron being in demand, damn it. <laughs> I like it. Okay, so in total, how long have you been an exclusive with Falcon Studios Group, and uh, what's the length of your current contract? I'm not allowed to discuss the details of the contract in particular. Um, however, I have been with, this month makes one year that I've been with uh, Falcon Studios Group. And, well, I can tell you, this contract goes until, uh, let me think, uh, I believe it's September I have to think about when I sign it, but this, uh, but, uh, yeah. So, and the first year has been great. I think it was April, um, I'll say like April 4th. That was when I saw, when I filmed the first scene with them. 
And so we just passed the the one year mark that I've been with Falcon Studios, and it's been an amazing year so far. Nice. So I'm assuming that you re-signed again. Yes, my first contract was only for six months, and then uh, the second one is for, was for uh, for a year. So come nice. uh, was it like September or sometime November, somewhere around that time frame. I forget when exactly I signed the the, the second one, but um, yeah, so. It's been great. Absolutely. You've been pumping out fantastic scenes. Thank you. I hope you've been watching. (laughs) We're going to be talking about the scenes in just a little bit, but before we do that, I want to ask you a question that I did ask you in our previous interview, but I'm a big believer in once you get some more scenes under your belt, that this question can certainly change. You know, it can be updated because you work with new people and whatnot, so... Overall, who have been some of your most favorite performers to work with? Oh, <laughs> I always hate answering this question, only because you know it's so it's so hard to really uh, after a, after a certain amount of time. It's like you know I don't mean to say it all becomes work, but it, there, there there becomes a, a process to it. It's a it's a method, so you don't really recall as many. Um, I guess <clears throat> let me see. Well, I had I did a scene with Lance Luciano, who's a friend of mine. Um. He, We'd known each other long before we did a scene together, and that was with uh, that was with Falcon Studios. So it was interesting to get to work with a friend of yours. We had played around too before then, um, so we already uh, we weren't fuck buddies, but we played around on occasion. And so it was interesting to be able to do a scene with your friend because it was kind of like, you know, you're working with your buddy. So that that was probably. Um, one of my favorites, definitely, just because of the the, the situation. Um, and the first, the, the the guy that I first did a scene with, Adam Ramsey, he was he was very amazing to work with. He likes to he's very he likes to develop a connection. Uh, you know, he likes to try to establish some chemistry with his scene partners, and we had get great chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, which, as you know, when you have chemistry, actual chemistry between the the scene partners, it just makes for an even better scene. So he was also one of my favorites, and. Um, and then, like, you know, I've had the, the, the privilege of working with some performers that have been in the industry way longer than I have that have, you know, definitely made their impact. Um, Topher DiMaggio, uh, Brent Corgan, um, great guys to work with. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, I, I can't say I've ever really had a bad experience with the people I've worked with. And that, that, that goes for Randy Blue and Falcon Studios. That's good to hear. It's great to hear that you've had an overall positive experience in the industry. Now, as far as performers that you haven't worked with yet, are there any performers out there that are on your must-do list? A performer that you're looking forward to doing a scene with? <laughs> um. Well, you know, I. The, the, here's the thing: since I've been working with Falcon Studios, I, I mean, I hit the ground running with these guys. And as far as club appearances, scenes, and all that, it's it. It's been, uh, it's been a blur. It's been pretty crazy busy. You know, I travel a lot. This is the first month that I've had, probably the slowest month that I've had uh, since I've worked with Falcon, only because, you know, between Falcon Studios and Andrew Christian, I'm, I'm going all over the place. So uh, long story short, I haven't really taken the time to sit down and pick out <laughs> guys that I'm wanting to work with. Um, but, you know, Falcon Studios occasionally will send me something and ask me, hey, um, you browse through there and see if there's maybe somebody you're interested in working with so occasionally i'll do that and send them some some names off the top of my head but uh 
you know, other than that, I, I really haven't had the time to sit down and seek out people in the industry. But I so I mean, I've worked with everybody that I, I wanted to. I wanted to work with Brent Corian. I wanted to work with Topher DiMaggio. And then, you know, there's a lot of guys in between that I've had the opportunity to work with. So, yeah. Not bad. As one of the few performers of color that's an exclusive with Falcon Studios Group, do you ever get a lot of... Uh... I don't know. I don't know if you want to call it complaints or maybe a little bit of flack from your fans because they I, haven't paired you up with another performer of color. I know that they did pair you up with Boomer Banks, which we will be talking about in uh, a couple of questions. But as far as like maybe a black performer, another biracial performer, have you gotten well, any either I do. feedback um, or interest? People that are like, you know, hey, you know, we want to see you with another black performer. Yeah, you know, my ethnic bands, they I always call them both my best and worst critics. Um, you know, they are, they've been with me through thick and thin. They love to see me succeed. But they, you know, they are very critical of, you know, some of the companies I've worked for. Um, stepping beyond Falcon Studios for a bit, you know, that was a big criticism of Randy Blue. And it's been a big criticism of Andrew Christian, the underwear company that I work for. Now, both of those companies have taken, you know, just knowing them behind the scenes and being very friendly with the staff, um, they are taking pains, you know, to make sure that they are more diverse. It's just not, it's not an easy thing to do um, because there are two problems, you know, going back to the, the, the porn industry side of things. There's been a lot of issues. Uh, you've got, it's a balance for directors. It really is a challenge. Um, for example, uh, there's a one of the directors, you know, he's having a hard time. You know, there's racism within the industry and outside of it. You know, finding models that will want to work with um, uh, black performers or, or Asian performers or Latinos. You know, and there have been the strange thing about it: there have been black performers who only prefer to work with white guys or Latino guys. They won't even work with other black guys, um, which is you know an odd thing. When I, I was just a little bit puzzled when you know i when i was told that and then you know you also have the fan base who can be you know just brutal to work with you know because you have to it's a balance between you know the companies mostly themselves yeah they want to they want to include diversity so they're trying to balance the bottom line you know their profits with you know appealing to a consumer base meeting the demands of the majority of their consumer base but at the same time trying to promote diversity it's not an easy thing to do and especially when you add the dynamic between you know directors and the models that's another element where you've got to fit because it is you know this is porn this is sex you have to mix people that are going to jive well to in order to have a good scene you know, despite us ultimately being actors, um, you've got a lot of models that are they're bitchy and picky. And so it's 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 a big mix of things that these companies have to balance. Um, they do try. I think, you know, there are some areas that they can always improve on, but they do try. And so but I, I thank my fans for being critical of that, because that is ultimately what it's going to depend on is the fans being critical of the companies. And these scenes, because that's when it, that's what's gonna, you know, the consumers being critical is what's going to enact change in those companies being able to move forward with something like that and promoting uh, more actors of color, you know, in your Asians, Latinos, and basically ethnic ethnic minorities. So it, it's a challenge. It is, and it's there's no easy solution to it. <clears throat> and this is why I love interviewing Sean Zevron because he gives the best answers. <laughs> well, I do my best. I like to think before I open my mouth. So a lot of those things, when I know they're on the table, 
I give them each some thought before we do these interviews. Well, I like the sound of that. I think a pairing of uh, you and Ricky Decker would make for a great scene. Uh, you'll have to forgive me, but I, 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 I've, heard, I've heard the name, but it's not. Uh, there's not a face coming to mind. But uh, you can I will take your word for it. <laughs> you can Google it later. Yeah. Okay. Awesome, man. Okay. Well, let's talk about names that you do know. Who has possessed the biggest dick that you've had to take on in a scene? And if a length versus girth, if that's a little different, you can split it up that way. If someone's well, a little it, bit more thick, then... I yeah. think anybody that knows that's been keeping up with me or Falcons to, or Raging Stallion uh, is going to know the answer to that. Because obviously it's Boomer Banks. Um, he's what I think was named the biggest dick in porn by, what, everybody who's dishing out awards nowadays. Um, so, <laughs> so that was definitely uh, the biggest one that I've had to do at a scene. There's been a trend in recent productions of double penetration. I'm kind of curious to ask you, is that something that you're at all interested in trying on set in a scene, whether it's as a top or as a bottom? We know I did one of those for Randy Blue. I did a double penetration scene, but I was a top. Um, Now, as far as doing it as a bottom, I have tried it in my personal life twice, and it worked out, you know, of course, I don't, if it's two ginormous dicks, and no, there's no way, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> and I'm not even trying to prepare myself to take as much, but um, I think really, in my experience, having done it in my private life, it's more challenging for the tops to get into position and get this, you know, get the rhythm going, <laughs> whether, rather than, rather than it's more difficult for, the, if the bottom can take the dicks, it's fine, now it's just getting the tops to be able to uh, get in position to where it actually okay this is practical for actually having sex which you know for porn most of the shit we do is not a practical position for sex <laughs> it just looks good on camera but um dp if you can pull it off it can feel good and be a good position you know it's hot i like to watch dp scenes when i when i'm just watching porn but um you know that's one of those things that's really tough to do do you watch your own scenes you know, no, I don't, but I did for the first time, and it's funny you ask me this now, um, sat down, uh, logged in the Falcon, and I was like, you know what, I haven't watched any of my, you know, because I stopped watching my, there was one scene that I watched, or just part of it when I was with Randy Blue, I don't even remember which one it was, but the reason I stopped watching my, or didn't wa- don't watch my scenes is because, you know, even the models that seem the most confident, uh, myself, uh, as an example, even looking at my scenes or my photos or whatever, you know, you start pointing out all the little things that you don't like or big things. And the next time I film a scene, you know, I made that mistake early on and I looked at one of them and then that was all that was in my head. Um, the next scene that I shot was trying to compensate for the things that I didn't like. And it kind of th- it throws off your performance. It, it gets in your head and it's just distracting. But I did here recently sit down and start watching some of my work with Falcon. I watched a couple of scenes. I watched the one with um, Topher DiMaggio and myself. I watched the one with Lance Luciano. And then there was um, was it? There was another one that I watched. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I looked at it and I like... I, <laughs> did Sean so jerk off to himself? I did not jerk okay. off to myself. <laughs> you know, I think that would be the epitome of narcissism, but I don't know. Um... 
it was, I, I will admit it was hot, but I, I guess uh, not in the sense that I was watching myself. I guess sort of envisioning... Remembering what happened. What happened, yeah. More so in that kind of way that was hot, rather than just sitting there watching Certain myself. areas were tingling. <laughs> of course. That's what's up, man. All right, now. Go on with your bad self. <laughs> Let's talk about the scenes now, and uh, we're going to start off with uh, one of your first scenes. I don't know if this is this was the first scene, because sometimes they shoot stuff and they don't release it exactly in the way that they were shot, you know, in the order that the scenes were shot. But yeah, I, I believe think... that one of the first ones that was released was you and Johnny V for Dirty Fuckers. Mm-hmm. Can you go into a little bit of, uh, you know, what it was like on set and, you know, any anecdotes from shooting that scene? Well, first of all, I love working with Johnny. He's hilarious. And he and I, anytime we, we have the privilege of working with one another, um, not just on set, but club appearances or Falcon events or what have you, um, it's always a good time with him. That guy, the guy's a real, real fun guy to work, work with. Um, the scene itself, <laughs> you know, I don't really, <laughs> here was my thing with that. They decided last minute that they kind of wanted me smooth for it. So if you notice, and I had been growing my hair out for a while, we only shave like the top. I get there and they wanted me to be like, oh, we trim the, the top half of you. So you've got the top half of me that's sort of trimmed and neatly groomed. And then my legs, it, like you can tell just, everything just kind of stops and we didn't do that. So that was kind of weird looking. Some of those photos look weird to me. I guess you don't really notice it unless you're, you have an eye for that sort of thing. But um, the scene itself was was great, you know. Um, that was that was right before I think Falcon Studios officially acquired Hot House. Um, but I did enjoy I did enjoy working with Johnny. We had good chemistry. Um, the scene went great. There's really nothing of noteworthy that happened during it, but we just had great chemistry and uh, it was great working with. That was the first time I believe that I had worked with Christian Owen as a director um so it was great to meet him to see how he works and to see how things on the hothouse side were different than they were on the falcon which there weren't any major differences really so everything went smooth during that scene let's talk about the big scene auto erotic part two with <laughs> let's talk about it can you share with us some anecdotes or a little bit of uh, what went on behind the scenes of that production? Because that was, if I'm not mistaken, that was like billed as like the big scene where Boomer Banks bottoms for the first time. Yeah, it was. It was a scene that he bottomed for the first time. Um, so you got to pop that cherry. Uh, <laughs> well, that cherry's been popped well, several times. At least on film, uh, Sean. But on film. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he did well. I think it was it was great, great working with each other. It was a little uncomfortable fucking on top of that car, but you know, we made it look good. We made it, we made it work. Um, you know, and I think he's done several bottom scenes since then. But Boomer's a great guy to work with. He's done very well in the industry. Um, I actually, I actually knew him before he got into the industry. Um, I was already in the. I had been in the industry for I think I want to say when I first met him, I had been in for a year. Um, and he was telling me, you know, we met at Matinee Vegas uh, one year, and he was telling me that he was getting into the industry. Um, you know, we got we out that weekend, uh, so we knew each other uh, prior to then. And then he got into the industry, and I, I will say that he's, he's blown up big since he's got into the industry. He's done very well for himself, um, and he's uh, definitely one of uh, Raging Stallion's top guys, uh, if not the top guy, uh, from what I understand. You know, um, 
but the scene was great working with him. Like I said, that car, boy, that was interesting trying to get all the positions on that. And that was, it was <laughs> a little bit of a challenge to, you know, uh, make all that work. But I think in the end, I think, uh, Steve Cruz did a very good job with, with, with that, uh, with auto erotic. Let's talk about filthy fucks with Abraham Al Malik. What was that experience like? And I oh, believe that a there's sweetheart. a bit of a there's a language barrier. There was a language barrier, but even despite despite the language barrier, you could tell he's he's a sweetheart, and it was a lot of fun working with him. Um, it was funny. Uh, yeah, we had to have a, a translator on set because <laughs> he spoke next to no English. Um, but it, it was fun. We made it work. Um, I think originally he was supposed to top for that scene. I ended up topping because, um, <clears throat> well, usually, you know, we, we we bring our, you know, if we take Viagra or anything like that. Well, he had left all his, I guess I will say, assistants um, left it elsewhere. So he didn't have that on set. So he ended up having to do, uh, he had to bottom and I top, which was fine. It all worked out great. Um, but other than that, it was, it was definitely funny at some points, uh, trying to get, uh, having the translator explain exactly what you want to do. Cause you know, it's always working on a porn set is always funny to begin with because just the shit that goes on is not your typical workplace for mm -hmm. obvious reasons. So having to translate that, um, or not necessarily, you know, having a person that has to translate the directors, you know, Steve is saying, okay, I need him to do this and then this and the translator. Get him into dog style, exactly. then get him into pile driver. And, and not, and not only that, you've got to explain, well, like you need to put more energy into it. There, there needs to be this much of an expression or this needs to do this and this and this and just, you know, A, B and C. So it, it's really funny. It was challenging, but, um, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was a fun scene. And then, like I said, he's, he's definitely a sweetheart. I mean, very nice. I also want to talk to you about Naughty Pines 1 and 2. In part 1, you were paired up with Luke Adams, and in part 2, as you referenced earlier, Toffer DiMaggio. Yeah, uh, Luke is another sweetheart. That guy, he's, a, he's, he's I really enjoy, <laughs> we kind of had this, I, so before I even knew that, because uh, they, they always tell us in advance who our scene's going to be with, and I really, the only person I know is doing it was Toffer. I, I, not really. There was a big group of us there filming for a whole week. And um, he and I had become friends before we actually shot our scenes. And, you know, I was flirting and picking with him quite a bit. And so we had a little sexual tension built up before we did our scene. Um, but it was a lot of fun shooting. The Naughty Pines in general was a lot of fun. We were in, um, was it, I believe it's called Guerneville. Um Very beautiful place. Um, just the mountains and the trees and the clean air, the cool air, you know, it was just beautiful up there. Very picturesque. Um, and it was, it was fun because, you know, you've got all these guys, we're all in the same work. So we're all like on, on like a porn retreat together, you know, just kind of enjoying each other's companies. Cause you didn't have cell phone signal worth a damn up there. So you didn't have internet or anything like that, except in, in, in certain spots. But, um, so it was nice to get up there and do that and to actually get to know the people that you're working with. Um, and insofar as the scene with, uh, uh, Luke and I, you know, it was, uh, Tony DeMarco that directed that and we all had a really great time. The scene went smoothly. It was really fun to, uh, just act the theme that they had going on there. So I really enjoyed that. 
not bad. And the final production that I want to explore with you is America's Finest. And you were paired up with Ryan Rose. <laughs> yes. Where you both well, banged the heck out of each other. Yeah. Um, Ryan is also an amazing performer. And we get along great. We love whenever we get to do gigs together. We always end up getting into trouble somehow. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> For example, before I moved to LA and we were doing, we had, when we shot that scene, we, we, we shot that scene, we, he and I were together for God, almost two weeks because we shot that scene. Then we came to LA and we were here for a week for Andrew Christian stuff. And, um, just spent a lot of time together in the same hotel room. We ended up going out and we did this, uh, we did an interview at, uh, they, they don't have it there any longer, any longer, but just the porn star interviews, they used to do at Revolver. But um, we ended up getting shit-faced to the point that, and uh, we, we honestly think, we don't know if somebody drugged our drinks or what, but we got so shit-faced that we don't remember most of the night. And apparently, we, uh, everybody else in LA, they remember that night. We don't, because they, they ran into us. There was people, friends of ours, we had in LA that apparently saw us out that night. We don't remember talking to them. We were dancing around in the street. I don't know. We were doing all kinds of crazy shit. And uh, <laughs> anytime Ryan and we, we've had several times like this since then. Anytime Ryan and I get together, it's it's never good because we tend to push each other a little further and a little further and a little further. So it just becomes a night of, okay, what kind of shit's gonna go down tonight? Let's just brace ourselves. Uh, he and I are actually going to be um, doing a live show at Steamworks in, uh, uh, for the Grabbies and IML weekend in Chicago. Up, it's up and coming. I actually have as soon as I get off the, uh, as soon as I, we finish the interview here, I've got to uh, reply to some emails um, for that to get that finalized. Um, but Ryan is a great guy, and we had a lot of fun shooting our scene. Shooting our scene. Very cool. Yeah, we've had Ryan on before. He's awesome people. And you guys had ridiculous chemistry. It was a very good scene. <laughs> we did. Um, he and I were both in the military. Uh, same branch, actually. We were both in the Marine Corps. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but he and I, um, we always uh, we always have a great time. We're always constantly back and forth. You know, if you just come up on us and you don't know us, you think we were the worst enemies, but we just fuck with each other that much and uh, end up having a good time. Uh but yeah, we're we're gonna be actually we're gonna be rooming together. Um, I think for IML, we're going to for the last night we're going to get our own suite. We're gonna have a bit of an after party for for the uh, the grabbies and IML weekend and have ourselves a good time. Well, there you go. Sounds like a plan. You've been on the box cover a couple of times since joining Falcon Studios Group. In particular, you've been the sole model on a cover, I believe, twice. What was it like to see yourself on the cover, in particular solo, knowing that the studio trusts in your popularity to sell the title? Right, right. I tell you, it was definitely something new because, you know, Randy Blue no longer does DVDs or maybe they'll do them once in a blue moon. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, but... but um, <laughs> so, 
it was uh it was definitely different it was an exciting moment to see myself on a cover because you know it's you put that out there and it's like boom and like you said the company is they're trusting in your popularity they see that they see your shot or your photo and like that's what we want on the cover to sell this so a lot rests upon your shoulders so to speak when they cheat and it's 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 an honor and a privilege to be able to be on the cover um, so when I first saw that, I was very excited, and it was it was a new feeling. It was a new. It was like stepping into new territory. Insofar as my porn career goes, because you know, like I said, Randy Blue, they rarely do we rarely do produce video or DVDs anymore. Because mm-hmm. honestly, just across the across the board and and all, and all uh, with any company, DVDs for obvious reasons aren't as lucrative as they used to be. And for, it, really now, they've become more of a marketing ploy than anything. And companies, most companies that I've uh, talked to, they just hope to break even on them. And um, so they just use those to boost the sale of online content and every other uh, part of their product. Um, but it was very, it was it was amazing. Like I said, it, it's it's definitely a new step to see yourself as a cover on a DVD. It was a, a whole new step in my career. Overall, throughout your career in the industry, and in particular, during uh, this Falcon Studios group era of uh, Sean Zevron's career, what has been the funniest thing that's happened to you on set? The funniest thing? Um, I don't know if anything stands out in particular. On set, I tend to be very antagonistic in a humorous sort of way, and not a lot of people get my humor. I've been told... Um, by other by staff members on Falcon, I take some getting used to sometimes, just because I like to loosen the mood. I don't like to go into a set where everybody's sort of uptight and all business, and that's just me—not just with porn, but pretty much anything. I I don't like people that are stiff and uptight, even though I can come across that way. And I just have a very a very sharp sense of humor, I guess you say, and and I go in for the jugular. So a lot of I, <laughs> I cause a lot of situations myself, and people finally realize, okay, that's just him. I got to get used to him, and then I end up being buddy buddy with all my scene partners. But uh, I can't think of anything in particular that just really stands out uh, off the top of my head. You know, we've had little moments here and there, um, but you know. <laughs> What about embarrassing situations? Has anything embarrassing ever happened to you on set? Well, other than the douching process taking for a really long time and making me like an hour and a half late for my scene one time just because I had an upset stomach and I had to get all that taken care of before we started the scene. That was actually, what was that, a few scenes ago. I don't remember which one that was. uh, I mean, there were no accidents on set. And fortunately, so far, that has always been the case. Good. No um, fudge factory visits no, no, for no, Sean. No, no. Nothing happened on set. But okay, it was just, good. It, we ended up, like, I think the I think the call time was 9.30. We ended up finally leaving. I ended up finally leaving the hotel around 11 because, you know, extra long <laughs> douching process and uh, going to get... Uh, you were extra clean that day. Stomach medications. By the time I finally got there, yeah, everything was good, but just, you know, that was just... But the, you know, the directors and everybody understood because, you know, that's sort of something that, you know... I mean, it's it's sort of within your control depending on what you eat the day before. But my, the fact of the matter was I just had... Uh, I had just had an upset stomach for the last few days and I thought Aww. I was getting over it. Well, I had to make sure of that before we got on set. <laughs> 
Yeah. Like I said, it's the little things, you know, working in this working in this industry, stories like that. Are <laughs> Absolutely, man. What's the craziest thing you've done in a scene? What's something that you've done in a scene that you're like, wow, I can't believe I did that? There's something I say, like, wow, I can't believe I did that. But there is that one, okay, if you know, in, in, in America's Finest, Ryan Rose's scene and I, the scene where I'm sort of hanging from the rafters in one of the positions and he's fucking me, was... <laughs> I sort of said, because we were trying to think... Because so when we get to the set, we kind of decide what we're going to do based on what the models are comfortable with, what's going to work for photos, and also work for video and making sure that we can pull it off. But we were trying to think of something that was just really different for that scene. So we were thinking, okay, what can we do? And I just randomly, sort of half-jokingly said, well, fuck, I'll just hang from the rafters and he can fuck me. And we ended up doing it. <laughs> Why not? So, and it actually, I think it ended up being really cool. Um, that was also something else that was fun, which you couldn't see when at a certain angle from the camera when the camera angle was behind us both um well it was really hot in there that day just the, there was the lights and the way the scene was set up and so we were both really sweaty the whole time that he's fucking me like he's just dripping sweat into my face and i'm making faces at him because of one it's burning the shit out of my eyes but nobody can see this because at that point the camera angle is behind us and all you can see is him fucking me from uh behind both of us um and we were just laughing our ass off. And these are things that you can't really notice on camera, but you can, you know, if you're the director, you know what's going on. You're like, okay, if you guys fuck this up and we have to redo this whole part. <laughs> so that was something that was both funny and, you know, just the hanging from the rafters part. That, you know, like I said, I jokingly suggested that we do that. And it ended up being a good position. It was really uh, neat. Uh, so that was that was funny. One of the reasons why I love interviewing you is because the interviews are kind of no holds bar. You love to uh, get asked sort of like the serious questions, the controversial questions. You always have a great answer to uh, any of the questions that I provide for you. And this is a question that I have for you that has to deal with Twitter and something that you posted, which caused a bit of a, I don't know what you want to call it, and uproar or a backlash or it certainly got a response via the blogs you had posted photos of you in your personal life recreationally having bareback sex and a lot of the blogs sort of wrote about it and it wasn't necessarily the most positive things that they were writing about it there was a bit of, uh, I guess, uh, a response from the blogs about the photos, and uh, my question for you is, what's your opinion on, I guess, for lack of a better word, the backlash of the photos, and uh, yeah, so just what's your take on the whole situation that happened with the photos and uh, the blogs and uh, people responding to the photos? You know, the... the, the... The only reason I posted those because I I wasn't naive. I knew what kind of responses were going to come. You're going to have you know you always get them from both sides. You have people that are praising it, good for him. You know he's posting his shit, and then there's the people like, oh you're setting a bad example. You know you should be having protected sex. You know you're a public figure. You shouldn't be posting things like that. Um, I did it for the shock value, none other. You know I do I do very little things for shock value. Um, but that is one of the things where I just I did it 
one, I thought it was a hot fucking photo. I don't care what people have to say about it. I thought it was a hot photo. Um, but more, but, but mostly, look, I just posted it for shock value, and there were a lot of blogs, you know, and there were a lot of common uh, people commenting on those blogs, just you know, saying every manner of thing under the sun. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's really there was nothing really behind that other than you know, and it's and so far as you know, the the criticism that you know, look, you should set a better better example. I don't no, I don't necessarily agree that you know. That that that's sort of falls incumbent on me to set an example for safe sex. I mean, because when you talk about somebody that's in my industry, asexual industry, the sex industry, um, that's those things are just part of the sex industry, just like violence is part of the entertainment industry. Um, I think the responsibility lies more with consumers um, and educating the public about safe sex practices. Rather than saying, okay, look, porn stars should be setting an example for safe sex. Because that's just simply, I disagree with that notion. You know, I even wrote, I wrote a blog article about this talking about bare, mm-hmm. uh, um, bareback sex um, in the porn industry. And look, my, my opinion on that, it still hasn't changed. It's that, you know, look, the porn producers and models have no more responsibility to educate the public on safe sex, no more than the entertainment industry. I think we're part of the entertainment industry, but no more than the mainstream entertainment industry has to educate uh, the public on violence and all manner of things that fall on television. You know, that's just not something. I mean, if you're going to get into policing that, you're going to politicize, you know, entertainment and uh, sexuality and porn to the extent that it takes, you know, all of that out of it, what the, the, the value out of it. And, you know, some people say, well, you can have porn without having bareback sex. Yeah, but that's specifically a a genre that people look for in the porn industry. So that is what turns them on is the bareback sex. And I don't see anything wrong with producers meeting that demand. I think it falls more incumbent upon society to educate the public. Look, here are the safe sex practices. You know, and I have no problem with, you know, they have those little warnings on some TV shows that look, everything you see here was performed by professionals, blah, blah, blah. I have no problem with warnings like that being mandated to be put on porn videos, you know, before or at the end or something like that. But I don't think, you know, this criticism, these people that flying off the handle about me posting a photos, look, they really need to get over that. And I just, I don't, I'm not really sympathetic to a lot of their criticisms, to be honest. It's, it's, there are a lot of people online that they just like to, say things and do things just to be hateful really (laughs) um even the criticisms that are you know that i could take as legitimate look my position is you know what i've just laid out to you and i don't think it's my responsibility to set a sexual example Um, i don't think that that's not what the industry is for and that's not what i do um I have other areas of my life that, you know, when it comes to setting an example about the things that I value, how that can be measured. But simply posting a a bareback photo, I don't think, um, falls within that category. Okay, I have two follow-up questions for you that are related to what you just said. The first one is uh, post-Falcon Studios group. You know, if if it comes to a point to where you are no longer an exclusive with Falcon Studios Group. You want to know if I'll ever do bareback porn. Bingo. Look at you. You're like <laughs> you're like Miss Cleo. You you know it all. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't put it past myself. You know, I have nothing I have nothing against producers that produce bareback porn. I have nothing against the models that do bareback porn. 
Um, as to whether or not it's something I'll partake in, I don't know. You know, um, we're, we're entering a new era where we've got things like PrEP, you know, pre-exposure prophylaxis and such, and that we're able to actually take Truvada as PrEP, you know, to that have been proven uh, to be as effective as condoms. So we're coming to a new area where, look, it's not, it's not to, it's not to blow off, you know, HIV and, and, and other STIs. Uh, it's still to take those very seriously, but we're coming to a point where we have more tools to fight this, and it's very beneficial to the porn industry. That's not to say get irresponsible with sex, but you know, we are able to, you know, doing bareback is not what it is or not what it was. 20 years ago it just simply isn't and you know there are a lot of people that like to stomp and throw their feet well like well you weren't around to experience you know it, when when everybody left and right and the gay community was dropping dead from aids look i am very i am very um empathetic to that but the the, the point is look we're in a different age and i'm not advocating irresponsible sex and i don't i don't act irresponsibly now you know um so yeah, I'm very open to doing to, to to answer the short answer to your question is yes, I would. But um, you know, I, I think you have to consider, and a lot of people that are criticizing that need to consider. Um, not to say that you're criticizing it, but just the you know people that are. Um, look, we're in a, we're in a new medical era, and we're having more tools to combat uh, things like HIV, something that has plagued our community for years. You know, more so than the the mainstream population. I love your answers. Now, if you can guess this next question, that's going to be very freaky. <laughs> okay. Go you, ahead. You mentioned something as you were giving your answer to, like, the backlash of uh, the photos that I'm really interested in following up with you because you are a part of uh, the entertainment industry. You uh -huh. are a part of pop culture. I believe porn, especially nowadays, is a part of pop culture especially when you I believe have, that as well yeah yeah especially I mean, when you have you know reality stars and celebrities dropping sex tapes or uh, sorry should I say leak you know sex tapes getting leaked we all know that they're <laughs> getting dropped I mean that right. leak stuff is is for the naive folks out there but when they're <sighs> dropping sex tapes and whatnot and doing this or the other and you know performers crossing over and being on reality shows and whatnot Porn is a part of pop culture. And something that I always find fascinating in pop culture is people sort of throwing the term role model on a person that didn't sign up to be a role model. A lot of artists like Rihanna have said, you know, I don't consider myself a role model. People shouldn't see me as a role model and whatnot. Why do you think or why do you think people feel like porn stars should be role models because you mentioned you know that people are like oh you know you should set a better example and whatnot why do you think people put that role on look the first question you have to ask is what role are they looking to be fulfilled you know um that's the first question you have to ask now are you saying like People can say that, and what are they talking about? They can can we be a productive member of society, or we follow the law? What what are you know? You have to ask, what is it exactly that they're getting at? Are they looking for an advocate to advocate their particular, I guess, social framework or their moral framework, or what have you? Because we all disagree on that. Just given the diversity of values in society in general, particularly in America, 
you know, so that that's the first question I ask is what role are you looking to fulfill? And yeah, um, I had heard something about what Rihanna said. She said, look, I'm not here to be a role model. And she's not. And, you know, I think it's a little bit imposing for people to say, look, you need to live your life this way. And this is what I talk about with as far as porn, you know, and, and like bareback, that being a sort of thing where the responsibility falls on us to educate the public about safe sex practices. It doesn't fall on the entertainment industry to provide entertainment that promotes a certain uh, way of living. Uh, and like I said, there are a lot of people that like, oh, we shouldn't have, you can take that and you can make an analogy here by saying, oh, we shouldn't have violence on television because it's causing school shootings and it's causing kids to fight and blah, blah, blah. But no, look, if you go through and you comb the entire entertainment industry for something that might be quote unquote detrimental to our values, then you're going to be left with no entertainment industry. And so much the same for sexuality. You can't really politicize what somebody finds hot. For example, there are a lot of people, uh, a lot of companies lately have switched to bareback porn because quite frankly, it's more profitable. That doesn't necessarily justify it on the merit of profit alone, but that's something that people do go for in the context of sexuality. That's something that turns them on. And you can't simply say, look, because such and such might go out and have unprotected sex because he saw this. Um, no, let's make a law or let's say that you should not be doing that sort of thing because it sets a bad example. No, those people, um, no, I don't think they have a lot of a ground to stand on. It's just not a reasonable argument. And no, these people, again, the bottom line, I think, is, you know, when they say you should set a role model, well, for whom and a role to what, you know, um, I don't like people that going around imposing those sort of moral standards on other people. They're trying to, uh, these moral fascists, if you will, uh, dictate, you know, what people, sh how people should be living their lives. And so, yeah, now I'm not familiar, you know, until you told me about what Rihanna said, but sounds like I'm just right up her alley. I'm on board with her. Look, she's not there to be a role model and neither am I. Um, but you know, if you want to talk about, my 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 person who i am overall i think i do a lot of things that um set a good example as so far as what what people can aspire to i know that because i get emails and, and and messages even though i don't have time necessarily to respond to them all but i'm grateful for a lot of my friends saying look they they they, they started uh, following me because of what I did in porn, but then they ran into my blog or vice versa, and they're really inspired by the, the things that I write or the work that I do or the things that, you know, just the little things that I post on social media, my commentary and so forth. So those people, I just really, uh, all I can tell them is to fuck off. <laughs> We're not here to set role models. I don't know what kind of role model they're wanting, but no, that's not, no. <laughs> And then there's that. I think I smell a, a new blog uh, titled, Should Porn Stars Be P Role Models? I actually have one like that. All right, now. It, I think it was the second or third one that I wrote. I like that. <laughs> Very cool. I don't think I read that one, so I'm going to have to go back and read it. Very cool. Okay, so let's get a little nasty. This is a question that you answered last time, but for those that didn't tune in and don't know the answer to this, let's fill them in. How much is Sean Zevron packing? <laughs> you mean my dick size? Uh, yes. Eight inches, um, I guess. Are we going by grinder inches, real inches? I don't fucking know anymore because, you know, it's different. <laughs> 
This is why I say it's different. Because I get hooked up on Grinder. People tell me all the time their dick is oh it's it's eight or nine. And they get there and my dick is bigger, and I I say I'm eight inches. I mean, there's a problem here. Bigger. Mine's bigger. You just said you know. No, okay, so mine's eight inches, uh, for the record. <laughs> there you go. Uncut. Yes. And ready for action. Always. There you go. Has there ever been a performer that couldn't take the dick? <laughs> We're all sluts here. Um, <laughs> no, they've all been able to take it. <laughs> Sean Zevron just broke it down for us. <laughs> I don't care what they say now. There have been some I pulled it out and they'd be like, oh, that's big, but they took it just fine, you know. There you go. <laughs> Balls deep, baby. Let's talk about the pop shot. Do you do anything in particular to make sure that you have a good pop shot, a good cum load? Uh, I'll usually not jack off for the past uh, day or two, you know, just so I have a build up because. Whether I'm fucking or not, I'm always, I'll jack off, I'll fuck, and, you know, whatever. So I'll, I'll usually go on a little break right before, like, I have a scene, actually, on Wednesday. Um, so, yeah, uh, I usually go, yeah, a day or two without, you know, actually getting off, and then I'll hold it on to the, to the, uh, till it's time for the scene. Do you jerk off a lot? I do. <laughs> Good grief. How many times a day? God, I don't know. Um, I would say on average two to three. Sometimes more, sometimes less. There you go. So you like to you like to pop until there's nothing left to pop. Oh, I still got some left. I didn't say that now. Oh, okay. Excuse me, Sean. <laughs> Let's talk about manscaping. To shave or not to shave? That is the question. I think what's really interesting about you is that there's, I mean, there's like two different sides to Sean Zevron. There's like the smooth, you know, muscle guy, and then there's like, you know, the, I don't know if you want to call yourself a bear, but like the slightly hairier version of Sean Zevron. No, let's not call myself a bear. No. <laughs> <laughs> Bear light, or I don't know what you want to call it, but there's there's a what hairier the, the word they have for it now. Otter, I think, is something they. Well, there you go. The otterish version of Sean, you know, slightly a little bit more with with hair, and then there's hair less. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. What um, goes into like your decision to you know shave or to not to shave? And is that something that the studios ask for? Is it, you know, because you're working for a particular title and they're like, okay, we need you with a little bit more hair or, you know, we don't need you with hair. Like, what goes into the decision to shave or to not? Oh, a lot of the people that I've worked for, and that's whether I'm modeling for Andrew Christian or whether I'm doing things for Falcon, Rage Stallion or Hot House or whatever club appearance and the type of club – there are always people that make recommendations and they have suggestions, but ultimately, this is the way I see it. This is my image that's being put out there. This is my image that's being projected. I understand that each company and so forth has a certain type that they look for, and I'll accommodate to an extent. You know, I won't be unreasonable. As you notice, I'm, I've been both smooth and hairy for my scenes. Um, and half and half, apparently. And half and half. Um, 
so you know really i sort of you know with i i'm pretty accommodating when it comes to things like shooting with falcon and raging stein because i am an exclusive with them so they get priority really over when they say okay look you know they don't demand that i'm a certain way but obviously for for example like a falcon shoot versus a raging stallion shoot raging stallion is just you know they want that sort of look so it just looks better um and so usually when i have a raging stallion shoot coming up you know i won't shave or maybe i'll like trim up and make it sort of neatly hairy you know to be presentable in a porn scene um if i'm doing something like falcon or hot house i'll sometimes smooth it up um but it just depends i what i'll also do is um because they always send us uh, when they request uh, us to do a scene they'll falcon will send us you know a photo of our scene partner and who they are and you know whether you're topping or bottoming so uh, that also factors into whether I, I shave or not before a scene you know but as far as like let's say club appearances depends on what kind of club if i'm going to go to i don't know for example the eagle obviously i'm going to want to be hairy or you know if i'm going to um something that's an andrew christian event i'm going to lean more toward the smooth muscular you know sort of um boy next door type look um so really, I, I do accommodate to the the audience, um, you know. So it just depends on the context uh, in which I'll be presented. Okay, interesting. There's a method behind the madness. Yeah. In scenes, you've been a top, you've been a bottom, you've been verse. In your personal life, outside of the porn set, and outside of the world of escorting, what would you consider your sexual role to be? Mm, I would say I'm probably 60% bottom, 40% top. Mm -hmm. And then you've got to throw things in there just like chemistry and personality and what you're in the mood for. So it's really hard to say. Um, I would say I probably bottom slightly more than I top. So that's why I say, look, I'm probably like 60% bottom, 40% top. Um, but then there are just some guys that I feel more attracted to. I just look at them and say, I want to fuck him. There are some guys I look at, I want to get fucked by him. There's some guys like I said, I wouldn't let him top me. And there's some guys that I look at and go, I wouldn't top him ever just because I would, I don't know. That's not the kind of sexual gears that that gets going for me when I look at that person. Um, you know, as far as like, you know, in an ideal world, in a vacuum, I guess, that would be 60% top, 40% bottom, something roughly around that. So let's talk about the world of escorting. How did you get involved in escorting? <laughs> Curiosity, mostly. Um, I don't remember where I first heard about it. I had just got into the porn industry because I had just moved to Dallas. Maybe I ran across a Rimp Boy ad or something like that. But really, it was my sexual curiosity that got the better of me. I was kind of just, it's always been sort of a little fantasy of mine, you know, as I'm sure you've read the blog article on, on, on my. That was a fascinating one. Listeners, it's a must read. Uh, yeah, so it's on josiahjennings.com. I actually operate the blog under my real, uh, my real name. Um, but yeah, like really, it was, uh, you know, and, and still to this day, it's just one of those things that, of course, I have sexual fantasies all the time that come and go, you know, something that was a sexual fantasy isn't necessarily one tomorrow. So mm -hmm. really, the strength in my escorting, I guess the drive for it, it is the, the sexual aspect. Of course, 
like I mentioned in the article, this is a sort of fantasy that I that's lucrative. That just you know, just fulfilling the fantasy itself involves profiting off of it. So it's a weird, you know, it's hard to explain fantasies and sexual things like that. But I think I do a fairly decent job in the blog article I wrote. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just sort of one day I had a curiosity about it. And I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'll throw up an ad and see see what's up. And so I started when I lived in Dallas. I've been doing it off and on for, you know, I'll go through spells where I do that more. I'll go through spells where I do webcamming and club appearances more so i kind of go back and forth between it but i've been doing it off and on for just about as long as i've been in the industry okay i've read the the blog i've read your post about it but for those out there that haven't had the chance to read it can you explain to them what the appeal is uh, for you it's sort of the I guess the power play, and but this is difficult because it doesn't always, obviously most things don't play out in reality as they do in fantasy, but just the appeal to it is, you know, and some people have this appeal even outside the context of escorting, just for bottoming, just uh, sort of being objectified and used in a way that is, I don't know, I guess you would think if it's reality, sort of morally objectionable, but you know, the thing about escorting, there's consent. So you've got that as its saving grace, I think. But the, you know, I use the Spartacus example where uh, Lucy Lawless, the actress there, she uh, uses her manslave sort of in a sexual way and made to do to fulfill her sexual needs at not necessarily considering his own needs, whether that be emotional or sexual. So. Just sort of that sort of thing, which I guess, you know, in the truth, truth be told, you know, in reality, I find if, you know, you're really enslaving someone for sex, that's very like, that's morally repugnant. But the fantasy of it, I guess, um, is sort of the same sort of fantasy I tap into when I do escort. So it's kind of, you know, somebody sees you, they objectify you in such a way that they want to use you solely for that purpose. For me, for some reason, I can't explain why beyond that, it is just sort of erotic to me. Awesome. I love how Xena the Warrior Princess is uh, your answer. <laughs> Very cool. I approve. Can you describe your clientele? Um... No, actually, and that's the thing, that's the beauty of it, is people have this, there seems to be the notion for people outside of the industry that everybody that hires an escort must hire because they're desperate or because they can't get it any other way. When, to be honest, I probably that's happened sometime at some point when somebody's hired me, but mostly there are so many, there's a diverse the clientele is diverse, and then their reasons for hiring are just as diverse. Um, for example, when I lived in Dallas, I, I didn't do it as much, and I kept a little smaller group of regulars, and I think there was like four or five regulars, and like three of them were doctors, and two of them were just regular businessmen. And, you know, the doctor, one of them, he, he just followed my work, so he wanted to hire me, so he was interested in what I had. No, he was a pharmaceutical rep. He's followed my work. He was just interested. He just wanted to be able to... You know, as a fan of my work, 
appreciate it a little more. <laughs> so he would hire me. The doctor hired me because, frankly, he said he didn't have time for the bullshit of relationship. He wanted the sex, but as a doctor, he didn't have time to sit there and find hookups. So this made it easy. It's just boom. This is what I'm looking for. I'm paying for your time. Uh, it's a transaction, a mutual transaction. To come in, we'd fuck for about half an hour for the last 20 to 30 minutes. We'd chat about what's going on in our lives, and boom, that was it. You know, see you next time. Um, there are a lot of different, and, and, you know, I have, I, I do, you know, I don't just, I, I don't accept clients indiscriminately. I am just given the nature of the, the industry and the legality of it all. I, um, I, you know, I do screen my clients. I, I do, I chit chat with them for a bit. I get a feel with them either through email or through text message or phone call. Um, I request a picture of it, you know, some of them for confidentiality reasons or trying to be discreet about it that you know they won't send a photo and you know that's fine i understand that usually you know but i have my, my rule is look i'm not meeting anyone blindly for anything uh, so i do impose a lot of rules in so far as my methods in selecting clients and things like that but the the group of clients that i have is very diverse their reasons for hiring are just as diverse um so you can't it, it's it's the, the you know the notion that um Either the, either the client is desperate for sex or that the, the, the escort is desperate for money. They're just so far off base. Now, I think it, I, I can't really say that's the case for the whole industry because it's a little different, I think, on the female side of things. But I've talked to a few female escorts and it's, it's, it's always interesting to chat about the similarities and the differences um, between uh, escorting as a gay male and escorting as a heterosexual female. Um, there are a lot of similarities, um, and they would say the same thing oftentimes. That look, they enjoy their work, and they give the same answer that I do. Look, the clientele is just as diverse. Their their reasons for hiring it just all depends. Um, but you've got, of course, you've got a little bit different dynamic there. Um, you've got to consider sexual. Usually, it's it's a little more uh, progressive on the homosexual side of things, just because you know we we are advocates of sexual diversity, whereas you know. Females are still, by and large, the underprivileged gender. So there's a lot more, I think, that they have to deal with and that they have to be cautious of than we do as gay males. So I can't necessarily say it's like that across the board, but I'm explaining this for as, as from my experience as a, a gay male escort in, in that world, not necessarily um, universalizing that into the uh, heterosexual side of things. There are a lot of similarities, and I think their answer, for the most part, would be the same to this. But they deal with some differences, I think, uh, different challenges. You mentioned that in your personal life, your sexual role is pretty much 60% bottom, 40% top. More is or that, less, yeah. Is that similar to what it is when you're an escort? No. I don't talk for escorting, and the reason is, um, my my topping mentality is a little bit different than my uh, bottoming mentality. Not always, but okay. For example, like in my personal life, like when I see a guy I want to top, like I'm more of a passionate romantic top sort of thing, and I like a little bit of. I guess of emotional connection or not necessarily emotional, but some sort of chemistry, some mm -hmm. connection that's not purely sexual because I get the sexual satisfaction out of that as a top. 
And I think that's why I top a little less is because I require something like that. Whereas when I'm a bottom, now I'm not saying I don't have those moments as a bottom where I'm personally invested in the top, you know, I have an emotional connection with them because I have that too. Um, it just so happens that usually like, for example, you know, I, you just, some point you're sitting there and you want to be fucked senseless. You know, I don't necessarily require an emotional entanglement for that. And that's sort of the same thing for escorting. I just don't offer my services as a top. I mean, I'm sure I could do it in some cases, but it's just like, you know, look, this is a service I, I offer my bottoming services as an escort one, because I have a good ass. I know I'm a good bottom, <laughs> but oh, two, damn. because well, two, because, you know, like I said, as a top, I usually like, I, I like that little bit of connection. I like a sweet connection. I'm not necessarily an aggressive, dominating top. I'm more of an passionate. I, and and then also whether it's a top or a bottom, I'm more into making my sexual partner or partners feel good than I am my own sexual gratification. And so I think so much more when I'm a top like that than than as a bottom. So it's just I I, I like a, despite my versatility in my my personal life and on porn, I just prefer. Um, to offer my services at bottom escorting. Now, you know, you can point to, well, you, you're actually more top in your scenes. And I will tell you that it's, it's very difficult because, um, like I said, I do require that connection. I am able to establish a little bit of that with some of my scene partners, which is why I'm able to top in my scenes. Um, but you know, just, I, I, I actually take more, uh, more clients than I do, you know, film scenes. So it's just easier to say, look, I offer you my services as a bottom. Um, and we can go from there. We can talk about the details, but, um, yeah, that's sort of, that's sort of how they relate. And that, that's why. Do you kiss your clients? I do not. I do not. I don't even kiss most of my hookups. Um, and because again, a kissing falls into that thing where, that's a little bit of a it's chemistry for me and when i want to kiss somebody that to me i'll suck somebody's dick or eat someone's ass way before i'll stick my tongue in their mouth that's just you know uh, that's just how i am for me kissing is is a little bit more intimate what request do you get the most from your clients um what do I get the most? I get a lot of weird shit. <laughs> and I say weird, not to, um, I guess not to alienate a certain, um, client. Everybody has their sexual things. We're all weird in some respects, sexually, whether we want to admit it or not. Um, I don't know though, like, cause I get a lot of things. I get obviously a lot of clients requesting, you know, muscle worship and, me flexing and stuff like that just because I'm very in shape and they're very into muscle worship. So that's a common thing. Um, I do get a lot of clients who do want the kissing and sometimes it is a deal breaker when I say, look, I don't kiss um, for escorting. Um, some just want to talk. Some just want company. Look, I get every manner of request under the sun. So it's, uh, again, just as many, like I said, my clients are just as diverse as, uh, you know what most people don't think they are but um 
so much the same for the requests that I get. And that's another reason, you know, when I'm screening emails or text messages or calls, you know, I get on the same page with them and see whether or not we're a match or that's something I'm willing to offer. But I get all kinds of things. (laughs) What has been an unusual request from a client or potential client? Um... You have some that are into scat, and that's just something. Scat and pissing is just not something I can do, even for <laughs> even for money. Um, which, again, I'm not saying. You know, what I've learned in this industry, being just in the porn industry, the sex industry in general, especially from webcaming and escorting, nothing phases me anymore. There's nothing that I will hear that I'm just like, oh my god, that's so weird. Like I've heard it all at least once i swear at this point <laughs> so it seems um but i don't know there's just all kinds of uh, i'm just trying to think of something give you a concrete example um like i said i do i get to and then there's some people that are just um they're in the feet never really understood the foot fetish but there are a lot of requests for that i'd say probably half the people i ever talk to have some obsession with feet i don't get it but <laughs> it's very common um, and then, like I said, the, the the scat play and stuff like that, and the the because usually, and I think a lot of people seek escorts out for trying to find us to do things for that reason. Because um, as far as those things, they may be in the minority, and they won't find somebody as open minded to do those things with them. Um, but yeah, I, I get like like I said, the, re, the the requests that I get are just as diverse as the clients. Have you ever found yourself in a dangerous situation with a client or a moment where you felt unsafe with the client? No. I mean, I'm a pretty solid guy, so nobody really will fuck with me. Um, Sean Zevron will kick your ass. And I've never, fortunately, I will say I've never had to, I've never had to threaten that. I've never had... I've never had a problem, and but I've also been very careful. Like I said, I do screen my clients. I require a photo first, not necessarily to say, "Oh, he's he looks good or not." It's just to say you can look at somebody, you know, um, and just it, of course it is it is being judgmental. It is um, you can't necessarily take people at face value, but in this industry, you don't have the protections of of governments and things like that. You don't have somebody looking over you, um, so. It, it, this this it, it involves discretion. Um, looking at somebody and making a judgment call whether or not you feel comfortable to accepting that person as a client. Um, not to mention, you want to make sure that you can get into it a little bit because you know you you ask them what their requests are and to see if you can accommodate it. Because if you can't, then it just doesn't work out for either. You know, they don't get the sexual satisfaction they're seeking, and you know, for me, I if. If somebody's not happy with my services, I don't, you know, I don't really feel like I should be taking their money and giving giving as little as I can give in order to get as much as I can get out of them. And I've met escorts with the with the, the a mindset to the contrary. Um, but yeah, I, I have so far I, I've been fortunate. Um, you know, knock on wood. <laughs> I'm not a superstitious person, but um, no, I, ha- I haven't had a dangerous a dangerous situation yet. Well, there you go. And I think all the listeners are probably curious as to whose wood you're knocking on, but I'm bummed. <laughs> on average, 
How many clients do you see in a week when you're actively escorting? Oh, it's difficult, and usually I only take local clients. Um, sometimes I'll take them when I'm at the reason it's difficult. It's it's very difficult to answer that question is because of my travel schedule. Like lately, I've actually had a full two weeks where I've had no travels whatsoever. Um, I've taken a few clients that I've been in, but it can be. There's been some weeks where, like, if I'm at home for a week, which is rare, um, you know, I'll try to get. I'll try to book a few a week, you know, maybe four or five um, at most, uh, if I can. And this also depends on, you know, sometimes you get more calls at other periods of time. It always seems that when I go out of town is when I get the most calls. <laughs> um, but I usually only do it local to L.A. because I, I want to make sure, you know, I don't, I don't travel for my escorting. You know, I get a lot of... Um, request to say, hey, if I pay your plane ticket and such and such to come here, will you come here? And no, I, you know, I just keep. I'm too busy, and when I'm at home, I want that downtime. But I don't know. It could be. It also just depends on what I'm in the mood for. You know, some there's sometimes when I'm at home, and I'm just like, I don't want to work. I don't want to do anything because I've been traveling and shooting scenes or webcaming or what have you. And so I'll just take a break. I may take one client that week or none, you know, and it just depends. And then there's some days where I've had three clients in a row. So it just, it's all over the place. Have you ever been stiffed by a client? No, I had one that tried to say he was going to write me a check one time, <laughs> even after we discussed it. And I said, no, I will wait here and I will, you will get cash. And he did. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I don't, there's something to write me a check. It was, no, <laughs> you think that, and, you know, so, and then most of the time, like, I'm a very, I, I'm just, my personality, my demeanor, and my build all together, I can be quite intimidating, and most people won't cross me in that way. Um, so, not to say that I'm all, look at, I'm big badass Sean Zavron, but, like, just being real here, like, you know, most people don't, they won't fuck with me. So, uh, I've never have been in a dangerous situation or a situation where somebody's tried to stiff me because I'm not leaving till I get paid, especially if I've already provided the service. Um, how I usually avoid that though, is I always make sure they have the cash up front. You know, I'll say, look, most of the time I'm like, okay, um, I'll make sure I can see the cash. Now I won't pick up the cash or touch it until I leave. Um, but I'll make sure it's there. How long do you plan on continuing escorting? I would say probably until it just doesn't interest me anymore. And by interest, I mean, you know, if ever that... Because this is what's been the case with a couple of sexual fantasies of mine in the past. They just eventually stop becoming um, arousing. Uh, they no longer become a fantasy. And I guess, you know, using that as the motivation for my work, you know, to be able to do it effectively and... Um, it requires that, you know, I don't, I'm not sure if I could do it if I had complete, like if just you could say, uh, for example, the whole dynamic of, of escorting and the power play and stuff like that stopped turning me on. It's hard to say whether I could still do it as strictly only a job with no no sexual interest in it whatsoever. But I suspect that I wouldn't just because, and I'm actually surprised that I've done it this long because I do tend to get bored with things fairly quickly. Um, sexual or otherwise and so 
I don't know. Right now, I still like it. I don't do it as much, so that may be as much as I used to, that is. Um, I guess in proportion to – now, I do it a little more because I live in L.A. now, but I guess in proportion of the request I get to the amount that I accept, um, I don't do it as much as I used to. And so it may be that point where sometime soon that I'm coming to where it's like, look, this was fun while I did it, but I'm kind of moving past that. Um, and it looks like that may be coming up. I don't know. Or maybe I'm just going through a spell where, you know, I'm just, I've been traveling a lot, so I'm exhausted, but who knows? I don't know. Maybe I'll do it for, I could do it a few more months or I could do it a few more years. No idea. (laughs) For those that are listening and uh, they do want to contact you for your services, how would they go about doing that? Do they have to visit certain websites and that kind of thing? Um, the most efficient way is to go through rentboy.com slash sons of Ron. Um, you can go through there and you can send me a message through there or, you know, it'll send right to my email and depending on my schedule, sometimes I'm a little timely getting back to requests cause I'll have a few of them that I set to the side while I'm traveling. I usually don't deal with that work when I'm outside, when I'm off gallivanting around the country. Um, I'll wait till I get back home and have time to address them. Uh, so yeah, or you can, um, yeah, go through there and it has all my information as, uh, as far as how to contact me and they can go through there. Sounds good. So maybe you listening right now might be able to sample Sean Zevron's bodacious booty. <laughs> Moving away from escorting, I want to talk about romance because it was interesting and very refreshing to hear that Sean Zevron can be a bit of a romantic when it comes to having sex, in particular, as you mentioned, when you top, you need to have that right connection. So I'm kind of curious to ask about romance in the work that you're doing. Romance while being a porn performer as well as escorting from time to time. How difficult is it to maintain a romantic relationship in the industry? And uh, in particular because uh, a couple of uh, months ago, I mean, you were a bit public with a relationship that you were in and uh, you are no longer in that relationship. So is it difficult dating someone that's not in the industry that you're in? Do you think it's easier dating a fellow performer? What's your opinion on romance and uh, the porn industry? Yeah, um, and that, in- that, that relationship actually just ended recently. I'm talking about, I don't think a month has passed since we've been out of it yet. Um, and it was, it's difficult. And I think, yeah, of course the industry plays a little bit of that into that. Um, I think what made, it, it also just takes a certain mind of, of, of person, somebody who's just their sexuality and their, and, I don't know, it's weird. It's not really, I don't think, an open-minded, because in theory, um, Jimmy, the guy I was dating, I still love him, but, you know, it's just something that didn't work out. Um, you have to be on the same page. And I think, of course, you know, other people in the industry are on the same page, but it, that's not the only thing it takes, I don't think. Um, you know, and I've met people, like, I'm a, I'm a big circuit boy. I love the circuit parties. I perform in a lot of those as a dancer. I go to those just to have fun. You know, I've met a lot of guys that are in the circuit industry that are just sort of open to that sort of thing and being on that same page. But it takes a certain, uh, I don't know, it's, it's different, it's difficult to describe. Um, there there were other problems, of course, I was trying a distance thing and, 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 you know, I still think he's a great guy, it's just that other things came in between uh, us and the relationship. Uh, but the industry is... 
I think most of the guys, I think a lot of the guys find somebody in their industry just because it is difficult to find somebody who's right on the same page. And it's hard, it puts a strain on the relationship. I'm basing this on my experience to try to bring somebody over to that side of things if they're not already into it. And I am a very romantic person in certain ways. I don't think I'm your typical romantic. I think where I found myself lacking a lot um, is the little things. Like, you know, like the walking around holding hands or just the little sweet nothings in person's ear. You know, I have my romantic moments, but I'm just, I usually show my appreciation and my love in sort of other ways. And that was also different, but I think that had more to do with just my personality type than it did with me being in the industry. Um, I don't know. It's, it's hard. Like I, that was my first relationship ever. Um, that was my first boyfriend ever. I've had times where I've dated guys here and there and it, it presented some difficulty there too. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's hard to just say that it, 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 I think more so than it, depending on the person being in the industry, it just takes a person who is on that same page to begin with, whether or not they're in the industry. Of course, you find a lot of people in this industry that are on the same page. Yeah, because they're in the industry. So, you know, thus, they, you know, it's expected that you're going to find somebody more on the same page with you with regards to sexuality and romance um, than somebody that's, that's outside of it. But I don't think it's dependent on that. As we start wrapping things up, Sean, I do want to ask, what's next for Sean Zevron? What can the listeners anticipate from you in the near future as far as adult productions, as well as, you know, maybe live appearances and go-go dancing and that kind of thing? Like, where can they see you next? Working for Falcon Studios Group has opened up a lot of new doors for me. It's taken my work in the industry to a new level. Um, and with that, I've sort of been reinvigorated uh, with with motivation to pursue a lot of things. And I've already accomplished more than I ever thought I would, to be honest. You know, and I think I even said that the last time we had an interview. I didn't expect to get this far in the industry. Um, so the things like I've done a lot of club appearances. I have a lot of involvement with the Andrew Christian now, which has also been a great compliment to my work. Um, I don't know. You know, the right now the sky is the limit. Um, so I'm just sort of going along. I have, I do have some things that I can't quite go public with yet that I do have in the making. Um, but yeah, uh, so be on the lookout and I don't think, you know, there's, there's no reason to think that things are going to tone down anytime soon. If not, they're just going to get bigger and better. All right now, very cryptic and vague, but I approve of that. (laughs) How can your fans reach you? Where can they find you on the web? Hook them up with your social networking profiles as well as your official blog site and how they can potentially see you live on cam. Um, well, let's see. Hold on. I was, I was making sure I had all my social media addresses handy so I can just rattle them off and not have... <laughs> um, but everyone can find me. Of course, I've got my Facebook page at facebook.com slash official Sean Zebron, uh, twitter.com slash Sean Zebron, Instagram.com slash Sean underscore Zebron. Uh, Tumblr is seanzebron.tumblr.com. 
And of course, I've already uh, listed off my Rent Boy ad and my personal blog. Rent Boy, once again, is rentboy.com slash Sean to run. And my uh, personal blog is josiahjennings.com. That's J-O-S-I-A-H-J-E-N-N-I-N-G-S.com. Um, and then again, look at for my work on Falcon Studios Group. It's on uh, Falcon Studios, Raging Stallion, or Hot House, any of those three sites. I'm exclusive with the group right now. And there's certainly more work in the making, as I told you. I have a scene coming up this week. Fantastic. And how can the listeners get the chance to see you on cam? Oh, uh, that's on the Randy Blue site. Uh, so if you go to randyblue.com, uh, I am on there. I don't really keep a set schedule for that because it's just you know sort of like the escorting. I do it when I'm at home and I'm not traveling and do it as supplemental horny. income. And I'm horny. That always helps. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, just go to the Randy Blue site at randyblue.com and uh, you can actually subscribe. Um, they have a text messaging slash email system, I think, that will notify you whenever your favorite performers are online there. So you can go to randyblue.com and um, subscribe to that and it will let you know when I get online. There you go. They can drop everything that they're doing to go see Sean stroke his dick or play with his ass. Only if I'm lucky. Let's hope so. <laughs> there you go. Well, Sean, this does bring us to the end of our interview. Is there anything that you would like to say to your fans and supporters that are tuning in right now? I just want to say that, you know, I have some that have been with me through thick and thin. I want to thank them all for their love and support. Um, Like I said, I would never have thought I'd been to this point in the industry that I am at now. And, of course, it's only thanks to the fans, you know, only thanks to them, you know, their demand of the Sean Zavron brand that I am at this point. So, you know, my they have my utmost respect, my thanks, my love and support in return. Fantastic, man. Well, I certainly want to thank you once again for another fantastic interview, Sean. I always enjoy interviewing you because you always bring it with the answers and you always make for a great interview. Thank you. You know I love doing these interviews and I'm, you know, my door, metaphorically speaking, is open anytime. Sounds like a plan. And listeners, I also want to thank you for tuning in to One on One with Poppy Chulo. Tune in for brand new episodes of One on One with Poppy Chulo every Wednesday and Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. You can download this episode and many more by visiting poppychuloradio.com forward slash archives. Registered users will gain access to the Poppy Chulo Radio archives of previously aired broadcasts. And with that, Sean Zavron and I would like to wish you and yours a wonderful night. Good night, listeners. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to One-on-One with Poppy Chulo. To contact us with any of your questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns, email us at contact at poppychuloradio.com or leave us a voicemail at 305-515-8620. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash poppychuloradio and like us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash poppychuloradio. Be sure to listen again next week as we continue to showcase exclusive interviews with some of the adult industry's most popular male performers. This is Ben Patrick Johnson saying good night and have a wonderful week. <laughs>